I was thinking this morning about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was coming into Jerusalem. Automatic response. Automatic response of being in the presence of God is that we are to give praise to him. We are to worship him. The people that were surrounded around Jesus began to do that, and they were very quickly rebuked by the so-called religious ones, the Pharisees, to which I don't know if you recall or not, Jesus actually responded and said in Luke chapter 19, he said, if these people do not praise my name, then what will happen? What will happen? The very rocks will cry out. I don't know about you, okay? But I will not be beat by a rock. I think it's a good reminder, okay? They don't move, they don't think, they don't feel. And yet God says that they actually will cry out in praise if we do not. This morning... We will be reminded we are to always, 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 always look for ways to praise. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we go back to the book of Acts chapter 14. We'll turn there in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for who you are. We are thankful, Lord, that we gather in your name and as you are with us here, we understand the responsibility of lifting up your name and praising you, of worshiping you for all that you have done and everything that you are. Father, I thank you for the beauty of creation that we witnessed as we came this morning to this place to worship. We thank you, Lord, for the evidence of your creative handiwork and design. We thank you, Lord, for each one of our physical bodies where we can get up and, and breathe air and move our, 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 our limbs, our hands and our feet and our voices and our lips and our tongues to sing in response to your goodness and grace. Father, we thank you for your word that, that you have given to us that is alive. We thank you, Lord, even for this week, Many people that are here this morning have faced a challenging week, have faced problems in their lives. We thank you, Lord, that in your sovereignty, you have a perfect plan and that that we in your strength can turn those problems into praise. Help us to learn how to do that this morning from godly men and women. Father, I pray for this community. I pray, Lord, for those that are ensnared and entangled, trapped in sin. I pray, Lord, that we would understand our role of speaking the truth of the gospel into their lives every single opportunity we get. God, I would ask that you'd be glorified with this time. Guard my lips and, and, and give strength and clarity to my mind as we learn together that we would leave this house knowing that we have, we have heard from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Acts chapter 14, it has been quite a while since we have been in this book where, where the entire book of Acts centers on what? It's a little bit of a review when we're going back the arrival, Acts chapter 2 of the Holy Spirit. We center on the fact that, that there is change that is brought in people's lives. We, we centered on the fact that, that the church of Jesus Christ was born. It was birthed in this study. 
We've looked at the fact that, that the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to go forward into all of the world. As we've been looking at this, we have learned about the fact that true followers of Jesus, what? They will face. You need to understand this. You're not exempt from this. Just like in the book of Acts, we will face hardship. We will face heartache. We may face adversity. Uh, True followers of Jesus can be picked on and they can be pushed around. They can have rocks thrown at them. True followers of Jesus at times can be misunderstood and maligned. But as we continue to be obedient to what Jesus Christ has called us to, we call it truthing in love. We what? We will experience, just like this church, unbelievable boldness. We will experience unexplained Peace and unparalleled joy. And we will experience, I believe, unprecedented growth and success in ministry, just like the church in the book of Acts. So much so that in a couple chapters, what does it say? Momentarily, Acts chapter 17, they were standing before the powers that be, what? And they were accused of turning the world upside down. We can learn from these people. We are to learn from these people. Although times are different from first century, when there was an announcement, they would bring out a trumpet. Today, it's Twitter. The location is different. There used to be goat pads and cow pads, and today it's concrete. But although the location and the time is different, we face the exact same problem. And the result of that problem is what? Death. The problem is sin. This past Monday morning, every single one of us were greeted with the news of what? Yet one more massive shooting. You're saying, was it just past Monday? We're, that's old news. That is, that is number 19. Massive shootings. Just going in and shooting up the place. Number 19 in the last five years alone. And this one happens to be in the middle of, of one of the most secure locations in supposed to be one of the most secure cities in our entire nation. Twelve innocent people were murdered for going to work and for doing their job. And you saw the news immediately. What is the questions? Why? Why this? We hear the questions, what would ever cause a person to do this? We hear the same question. We've heard it over and over and over and over again. What are we going to do? Same old, same old, same old. We need more security. We need more surveillance. We need more psychological evaluations. We need more medication. We need less accessibility. We need less guns. We need less trust. No, people. No, no, no. Please understand this. You cannot correct a problem that exists on the inside of a person by examining and by what? Looking at the outside of a person. I think it was most noteworthy to pick up on the fact that this young man, 34-year-old Aaron Alexis, was hearing voices On a continual basis. What is that? Understand people. This is more than a sickness. That exists in our culture. It's more than a sickness. This is a sin 
issue. And the promoter of sin is Satan. Jesus Christ was speaking about those who behave in such fashion. Jesus Christ actually spoke on this very subject. And he says this in John chapter 8. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. It says what? John chapter 8. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he has nothing to do with the truth. Because the truth is not in him. For he is a liar and the father of lies. People, we need to understand, although the times are different when what? When Jesus walked on the earth. The times are different than the early church. The time is different from from now. The same problem exists. The problem is sin and the result of sin is death. But what? Just like the church of Acts, we offer the exact same solution to that problem. And that is Jesus Christ who died on the cross to redeem us from sin. What? And snatch us from the control from the hand of Satan himself. We have the same power that existed in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit who gives to us the wisdom and the words to accomplish the task that is at hand. We have the exact same job description. We've been studying this in the past couple of weeks. What are we to do? We are to make disciples. We are to teach them to observe everything, all things that I have commanded. We go to this book of Acts, and there are many details. There are many people. There are many places that are listed. If you recall, it has centered on some key people, primarily some of the apostles. We've learned about James and Peter and John. We were introduced to people like Philip and Bartholomew and Stephen. Now we are dealing primarily with Paul and Barnabas, the key characters in today's chapter, Acts 14. And we have a lot of movement even in this one chapter. But I want you to think of it like this. Everything takes place in basically three scenes. Scene one, scene two, scene three. Scene one takes place in Iconium. That's verses one through seven. Scene two, they move on to Lystra. That's verses 8 through 23. And then scene three takes place in Antioch, verses 24 through 28. Literally, it is as if Paul and Barnabas are moving through this region and they are freeing people through the power of the gospel. Remember when you were a kid and you played freeze tag? Okay, you run around the playground. When you get when you get tagged, you automatically are frozen. You need to stand there until someone runs under your arms or through your legs, whatever the rule of your playground was. As soon as you were freed, you were able to continue to go on. I think of C.S. Lewis, the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. Remember the people that were turned to stone until what? Until Aslan breathed on them. He freed them. He caused them to move. Exactly what Paul and Barnabas are doing. Think of it like that. They're liberating people with the gospel. Unsaved people are dead people that are frozen. And until what? God's grace thaws their hearts. There's an inability to accomplish what God has called and desired for us to accomplish. That is to praise his name. To give glory to his name. Let's let's go to this text. Let's read this. I'm going to begin. It's it's a lengthy text, so I'll read it hopefully in, in, in sections and in, in portions. We'll kind of grab scene one and scene two um, together. Acts chapter fourteen, uh, verse one. Excuse me, just for a moment. My I was my hands were full. <clears throat> 
Here it is. Now, at Iconium, they, Paul and Barnabas, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and they, they poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the Lord, to the word of, of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with Jews and some sided with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with the rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and they fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Verse 8. Now at Lystra, scene 2, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul looked intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, he said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and he began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments. They rushed out in the crowd, crying out, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We, we also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. Jump down with me to verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, and they dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, he entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. I want you to write this down for our first point. As the gospel goes forward. I want you to understand what you need to expect. The gospel will always go forward. As the gospel goes forward, understand this. There will be problems. And there will be problems of division. And there will be problems of confusion. As the gospel goes forward, you need to remember this. There are going to be problems. And there there can be problems of division and confusion. We start in scene one. We start where? In this particular city of Iconium, Paul and Barnabas move into Iconium and they use the exact same pattern, could use the term strategy that they have used in other cities, particularly in Antioch. Where do they go first and foremost? They go right to the Jewish synagogue. Paul, as a Jew, as a Jew, has the the privilege of speaking. And it says specifically they spoke in such a way 
about the Lord Jesus Christ that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Now, it's not surprising what happens. There's a number of people that are accepting the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they face immediate opposition. It seems that wherever you go, okay, the words and the work of Jesus are going to be upsetting to someone. Why? Because the truth hurts. The message of the gospel begins with the fact that you are less than perfect. You are a sinner. People don't like that message. The truth hurts. What happens? There's some kind of controversy. So they, the term that, that, the, that, that the Jews use in describing what has happened is that they actually begin to, to stir up. They, in a sense, work the crowd. They're, they're rousing some kind of excitement against that gospel message. And Luke, actually, the author here, describes it as what? That the Jews poisoned their minds. They said, you don't want to believe this. This is a horrible message. Same thing we hear today about biblical Christianity. This is just heretical. This is so wrong. It is so old-fashioned. That's exactly what happened. They poisoned their minds against the brothers, creating somewhat of a rapid, almost a, almost like a hungry dog, sickum mentality. It's exactly what happens. And yet, even with this storm that is is brewing, they still have a profitable and even an extended time of ministry where it says that Paul and Barnabas use the gifts that God has given to them, displaying apostolic authority. What are they doing? They're speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to his grace, and they did signs of and wonders. Perhaps what? Healing those who were ill, sick, and we see in the next scene that that actually is literally what is happening. Powerful proclamation. What is the result in verse 4? The people of the city were divided. It says that some sided with the Jews and some sided with the apostles. There are always going to be those who love the message of the gospel and there will always be those who hate. Okay, there's very rarely a middle ground here. Take it or leave it. It will be a despising or it will be in embracing. We love this. The instigators, the Jewish instigators, did not give up. They incite such an angry mob that it actually says that they wanted to stone them. Paul and Barnabas get word of this. And what is their first response to a potential danger of having rocks thrown at them? It says they simply leave. They move on to Lystra. Now, the first scene here does not only remind us what there is going to be division that occurs, but it actually gives to you and I a couple of reminders on some strategy of what we need to be doing when it comes to ministry. When they go into a town, they know exactly where they're going and they know exactly what they're going to do when they get there. You and I need to be prepared in that way as opposed to not giving it any thought. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go. Think about it. Pray about it. Lord, direct me to the right person today. Think of that. Do we really begin our days with God? I, I, I would like to, to speak with this person. This one has been heavy on my heart. And there's a strategy, so to speak. Put some thought into that and pray about that. That's exactly what Paul and Barnabas do. We know as what? They use their gifts. When they went into this community, they used their gifts. They didn't say, well, I wish I had someone else's gifts. They used the gifts that God has given to them. To speak 
in this particular context, to heal. They knew what their strengths were. They also know what their weaknesses were. You and I have to understand that God has called us to a work. He has equipped you to do specific things when it comes to sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't wish that you were someone else. You accept the fact that this is who God has made you, how God has made you, and you minister with the strengths that you have. It's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. Also, what happens when they were faced with danger? Were they cowardly to move on? Obviously not. You know what they were? They were smart. They were wise here. They were aware as to what was happening around them, and they listened to the Spirit's leading. And when the Spirit said, you know what? Door is closing here. You move. Same idea for you and I. A lot of times the Lord closes a door for us, and we just stand on the outside, and we are beating on it. No. If one person has rejected hearing what you have shared with them, go on to the next person. God is sovereign over all of this. Remember these things. I love the persistence of these two men. It's ironic that as they leave Iconium, what, to escape the stoning of an angry mob, they move on to, and here's scene two, they move on to Lystra. But guess what? Guess what? There are stones in Lystra too. They will very quickly realize this. Yet they begin a ministry with unparalleled fervency. Think about the fact, man, they hate us here. That's it. I'm out. No, no, no. They just continue on with the same fervency. Verses 8 through 10, it describes what happens. There is the miraculous healing of a crippled man serving, in a sense, to authenticate their sign, their display of apostolic authority. Some insight as far as the details here. What does it say? It says Paul reveals this man's condition, so to speak, looking intently at him. He what? He saw this man had faith. What is it? I don't know. That's one of the questions we have when we get to heaven. Paul, what is it that you saw in this man? We apparently are not given that bit of, of the description. The power of God heals him. And his response is what? I don't know about you, but if you are crippled and all of a sudden your legs are strengthened and healed, perhaps all of his life, we don't know. It says that he jumps up, he sprang up and he began walking, running perhaps, jumping There is excitement everywhere. There is attention that is drawn to him. And then what happens? What happens oftentimes when the Spirit of God is moving? What happens? People focus on the outward, the outside, as opposed to the inside. Not only does division occur that we saw earlier in Iconium, but what happens? We see that confusion occurs. People literally are confused. What in the world is going on? This is the response. This is a weird response. The people of Lystra believe that the gods, lowercase, little g, the gods, Zeus and Hermes, somehow apparently have come down from the heavens and have visited them. They actually think that, well, Barnabas must be Zeus. Perhaps he was more impressive in his outward appearance. They thought that Paul was Hermes. Hermes was one who was known for his his speaking ability. 
So they said what? When they saw the hand of God, the power of God, well, you must be a God. And there's immediate confusion that comes. It's a really weird, kind of bizarre, twisted setting. It kind of shows how, how, how dark this particular city's superstitions were, the, 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 the pagan leanings. So much so that what is the response here? There's a, there's a priest of Zeus who wants to offer sacrifices. This is just really bizarre. This is really weird stuff. Now, there's a legend, and I, I, I read about this, and so we don't know what accuracy there is to a particular legend, but there's an old legend that exists in this particular time setting that, that at one time they, they claim in this particular area that the gods did visit this particular city, and they were not welcomed, they were not received, apart from an old couple. Their names were Philemon and Balkis. And everyone rejected these two gods except this old couple, and this older couple were rewarded amazingly. And so this particular city has heard of this. They don't want to make the same mistake twice. And so they will do everything they can to placate and to please. So they actually thought that Paul and Barnabas were gods. Talk about missing the point all together. You know what I think is neat here? And it's a little sidebar. How easy it would have been for Paul and Barnabas, okay, remember, they are men like us, Paul says that, to accept or to receive, what, worship. The exact same thing that happens with many false teachers, false evangelists, false promoters that exist today. You and I have heard I will not even I will not even give time or attention specifically to individuals and we have heard of such gross self-promotion and self-glorification and hypocrisy that exists where individuals who claim to be someone important and so they what they lavish upon themselves and oftentimes they use others through guilt and manipulation for self-gain and comfort and power and influence I'm sickened by that. Thankfully, no, we know that God is just and God will judge. What is Paul and Barnabas' response here? The response is what a spirit-filled response should be. They are so bothered by this. It says literally what? They, they tore. They tore their garments as a sign of utter brokenness. And they literally ran out into the crowd and they're screaming, why are you doing this? People are bowing down before them because the Holy Spirit has chosen to to heal a man. And with this confusion that exists, this blurred line, Paul is furious. Why are you doing this? You're missing it. Wants to clarify the confusion that exists. And Paul, as a brilliant man of God, uses this opportunity simply to reiterate the message of the gospel with an impromptu declaration. What we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. In verse 15, he continues on with the description of how powerful and wonderful God is. Paul is determined to take what everything that is directed towards him and, and direct it back to a holy God, the creator and sustainer of the entire universe. And the mob still wants the sacrifice. 
They are the stones that are dead. They are blinded. They do not see. I believe every true servant of the Most High God constantly needs to be what? Directing everything back to the Lord's. Although Paul has made that attempt, the the mob does not respond. And this adulation very, very quickly turns into what? Turns into fury and turns into anger. Kind of shows how typical the world is with a fickleness. And what happens here? They go from loving them to wanting to, to placate, to please them, to offer them. They literally turn into a fury and they do stone them. They stone Paul. They throw rocks at Paul so much so that they actually think he's dead. They drag him outside of the city and they leave him there and they say, fine, the problem is over with. One of my favorite verses of this text are found in verse 20. My favorite words. All of the work, the division, the confusion, the problems... Paul is stoned. He's drug out of the city. It says that he's left for dead. In verse 20, look at this phrase. I love this phrase. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up. We've We've been talking about the importance of making disciples. I know that some people were were somewhat questioning. So all I have to do is make one disciple. I don't have to worry about anything else. That's my one focus, right? I just do that. No, no. Apparently that's not the only thing you're supposed to be doing. Because there's, there's something that, that is very descriptive here about what more than one disciple. There's a group of them, disciples, followers of Jesus, plural. So this, this group, the emphasis, the importance of being involved in other people's lives we have this small group who gathers around Paul. Another question. We don't know what, what did they do. Did they pray? Did they lay hands on him? We don't know. Did they just wrap up his bandages, his, his wounds with bandages? We don't know. Did they offer him a cup of cold water? We don't know. Did he do all of those things? We don't know. All we know is what? The disciples came. They gathered around. They obviously ministered such an important part of the body of Christ. Some of you going through problems, hardship, heartache, physical pain, emotional duress, financial instability. It is the responsibility of the body to gather around. We are disciples. Gather around. And it says he rose up. What's interesting is where did he go? As soon as he got up, where did he go? He went right back into the city that had stoned him. Not only did he go back into the city that had stoned him, but he went even further back into the city that had wanted to stone him. I love this guy. You cannot keep a man of God. You cannot keep a good man. You cannot keep a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ down. True boldness here. True bravery. Oh, it is so desperately needed. People, it is so desperately needed in today's worlds. Don't give up. Don't give in. Quickly, we move on. What happens? They continue in their journey. After they minister in Lystra and back to Iconium, 
It says that they continue on. They went through Pisidia and Pamphylia and Perga. Let's pick it up in verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, say that quickly three times, they went down to Attilia. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. Verse 27, underline this word, these verses, this, this verse. When they arrived, they gathered the church together. They declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Our final point today is the gospel goes forward. Understand this. God will always take problems. He will always take problems and he will turn them into praise for his expansion and his glorification. God will always take problems and he will turn them into what opportunities to praise for his expansion and for his glorification. God will always have the final word. I don't care how difficult or dark it seems to you right now. Yesterday, we hear someone else in another country walks in and just begins to shoot innocent people over and over and over again. They were interviewing a woman and she said, this must be the end of the world. That's the only reason that people would do this. Understand this. God will have the final word. His kingdom will be expanded. His name will be glorified. In this particular context, we see what happened. Churches were established. Churches were organized. Churches were strengthened from the very, very beginning when they had commissioned. They set out to make disciples, to preach the gospel, to plant churches, to encourage the believers and bring growth and maturity and to multiply And as this story finishes up at the end of chapter 14, they go full circle. They end up back into Antioch, the very epicenter of mission. That's where it all began. They were commended. They were commissioned there. And what happens? Let's get everyone together. It says what? They gathered the church together. And they declared all the horrible things that had happened to them. You wouldn't believe how, how miserable of a week I had. You wouldn't believe what happened. No, no, they didn't say that. They declared all that God had done. Yeah, but man had thrown rocks at them. No, God in his sovereignty allowed an evil man to pick up a rock and throw it their direction. And God uses that for his name to be glorified. Full circle comes all the way back around. What an example that has been given to you and I this morning from these men. We have followed them. We have seen their courage, their boldness, and their bravery. And I would say, oh, if we could be so adventurous. We have a tendency to be so, so quiet and so afraid and so timid. We can't be like that. The last couple days, Wendy and I have had incredible privilege of um, hosting some friends in our home. Uh, Dan and Deb Morris. 
We were talking last night. We've known them for about 18 years. Sarah was two and Seth was four when we were introduced to them. And he was pastoring a small church near ours up in northern Maine. Cozy, comfortable little life. And God called them out to go to China as missionaries. Easy response would have been, no, we're very comfortable right here. And that's exactly what they did. They went from Aroostook County, Maine to Fuzhou, tiny city of about five and a half million people, to live amongst. Officially, they were there to teach English. But as we sat in our home and they were showing us pictures of students, had nothing to do with English. It had to do with the gospel. In all honesty, this couple has come home and they are completely exhausted. They've missed marriage of their son, the birth of four grandchildren, the death of Dan's dad because they were, what, serving the Lord. And they have literally offered everything. They have no home. They have no retirement. And yet they are at complete peace, knowing that they have been obedient to the Lord. It is such a privilege to be in the presence of people like that. What an example. I want us to to be reminded today to keep the view on what, what matters. Keep the view on eternity. God's name will be glorified. His kingdom will be expanded. And we have a tiny little opportunity at this tiny little window to make sure we're faithful in obedience in communicating with great clarity and care and love the message of the gospel. Let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the promise that if we don't praise you, the rocks will cry out. Help us, Lord, not to be beat by a rock. Give us boldness like Paul and Barnabas. Help us to have wisdom and strategy and strength so that you're glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.